Hello, everyone. This is Melinda Russell with Racing Girls Rock Podcast. And today's episode, I'm honored to have Marilyn Dash with me as my guest. Um, I'm going to ask Marilyn to just tell us a little bit about herself and you'll get to know her like I will as we record this podcast. So Marilyn, welcome to the show. And you. you would just tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, where you live, anything that you're comfortable sharing so we can get to know you a little better. Yeah, I'm originally from the East Coast and moved out to California in 1991. To, and I was in the high tech Silicon Valley area and working in management consulting and uh, got bit by um, a motorsport bug. And ended up moving up to the northern Nevada, Reno. Um, I live in the Reno Tahoe area right now. And um, it's a beautiful summer, spring day here. And we love it. Um, I have a, my husband is up here with me. We have four rescued cats and one rescued dog who is my assistant, who's always in my office with me. And you may hear her bark if the doorbell rings. She's okay. the alert society around here. That's okay. You know, it's, it's, I've had dogs bark. I've had cats jump up on keyboards, all kinds of things. And we're, we just go right on. So it's just fine. So, um, so Marilyn, tell me a little bit about yourself as a little girl. What were you like as a little girl? I remember someone asked me when I was nine years old, what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I said, I want to be the statistician to the New York Yankees. And it never stopped from there. And I was always a big sports fan, Yankees, Giants, Jets, Knicks, Mets, whatever it was, hockey, basketball, football, everything. And at some point in my life, I switched over to motorsport. And, uh, but my dad um, actually built us a little go-kart track when I was real little and uh, it kind of got me. So it never stopped from there. It, it absolutely gets in your blood. I it mean, does. we know that to be a fact because everybody you talk to that loves racing will tell you the same thing that it gets in your blood. And so, I, I mean, I love all kinds of sports as well. I'm, you know, I'm a big uh, football fan as far as like, and especially college sports, but um, nothing replaces racing. So we're, yes. we're together on that. So you got interested in racing. You went on a go-kart track as a little kid. So tell us a little bit about how you're involved in racing now and how did you get there? Well, it's an interesting story. So on my 37th birthday, I was uh, I had um, started working at a local aviation museum in called Hiller Aviation Museum in San Carlos, California. And I was helping the, I was volunteering there and working with Mr. Hiller, who's the, the namesake of the museum. And he kept bugging me about getting my pilot's license. And I'm like, oh, one of these days, one of these days. And on my 37th birthday, he was like, today is one of these days, let's go. And I walked over to the local flight school and started getting my uh, pilot certifications. Then a woman who owned my flight school at the time, her husband raced at the Reno Air Races the national championship air races in the Reno, Nevada area, which is where I live now. And from that moment to the time I started racing was less than four years. Wow. It went pretty quickly, but it was, I sat in the stands that first day and went, I want to do that. And that's all it took. And so now I've been involved in air racing now since 2003 was when I started racing. 
and I raced in the biplane class. We have right now we have seven classes, uh, international formula one biplanes, T six sport jets, unlimited, and what we call stole drags, which are super interesting. And, uh, I'll give you some websites that you could share with people so they could see some of the videos, etc. But, uh, I was in the biplane class for 15 years and, since then, I have started doing the announcing. We do a live feed. So I do the announcing from the uh, races, either in person there or on the live feed that goes over to the TV and computers and things. So people all over the world know my voice, and, um, it, which is a funny story I'll get to later. And then I also am on the board of directors for the International Formula One, and we're trying to expand air racing uh, beyond just the Reno area, we have done races in Tunisia, Spain, China, Thailand, and the USA in the past, um, I think it's seven years. And we're working on putting together an entire 12 um, location circuit coming up in the next couple of years. So, and these are, the, they're the little ones. It's the midgets. They're a hundred horsepower tiny little airplanes, all of them come apart. Their wings come off. We can shove them in containers and ship them anywhere in the world, which makes them so convenient. And one of the reasons why I chose to start working with IF1 and help them. So we have a race in September in Reno, and then we have another race in October in a place called San Angelo, Texas, right outside of Lubbock and Midland. So I want to ask you about those planes that come apart. They Not obviously on, are, on purpose. <laughs> Come yeah, on exactly. Purpose. But what I'm concerned about is when they get put back together. Yeah, you we know, haven't like had a problem sure, with that. <laughs> yeah, making but, sure that whoever's doing that is somebody I trust because I don't want to get up in a plane put together by some sketchy person. So they must be easy to put together. Yes. Put back in fact, we have a, a very thorough tech um, inspections that go on prior to the races. Um, everything is it's the most um, st structured organization I've been part of when it comes to racing. So there's bylaws and procedures and technical rules, and we have tech inspectors and this, and I mean, everything is very, it, it's international formula one. So there's a formula very much like the car formula. Okay. So everybody has like a formula of what, how big the wing can be, how big the cylinders can be, how big the engine can be. So everything is part of this formula and uh, it's, and it's very competitive and very fun, so, crazy competitive. So when you say competitive, um, is it more the skill of the pilot or is, are you able to soup up your plane at all or they are all pretty much exactly the same? Everyone is souped up to, to the nines. What I find is when someone first gets involved with air racing, they'll start out pretty slow and they'll buy like a standard, um, a pretty stock aircraft. And then they'll start getting more. I, it happened to me. I, my first year, I think I did 146 miles an hour my first year, average speed. And my last year, I think I did 193. So I got a little better. The airplane got a lot faster. And it just, it's, it's quantum dollars. You know, it's just how many dollars you want to put into it that makes yourself faster. But I find that as people stay in the sport, they learn more and then they start investing more, et cetera. And that's how it, it, it evolves for them, but we have a pretty good group of, I'd say we have about 24 to 30 pilots right now who are very active and we can put together 
um, an air race any, pretty much anywhere in Canada or the United States and get a good, a good group. Yeah, that's exciting. So I ran across some airplane racing. I think my husband actually found it like on YouTube or somewhere and he had shown it to me. But at the time, whatever group that was, they weren't doing those anymore, like the, you know, the racing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so we never were. And, and I was super interested because as a 16 year old girl, my dad had a four seat Cessna 182. Oh, great. And my mom wasn't crazy about flying. My dad was a farmer. My mom wasn't crazy about flying, but um, I loved it. And so I started to take flying lessons and I actually learned how to take off and land and I soloed and then um, through some things at the where I was taking the classes the teacher left and the school shut down so I never went any farther with it but at least I did that much and if something would have happened to my dad I could have landed the plane and my mom felt a lot better about that but um, so I kind of have that airplane thing in my background yep um So I, you know, I'd love to come and watch. So tell me a little bit about where can we find like schedules and all that kind of thing, because even if you don't want to actually race, it'd be really cool to go watch. So how would I find out about that? There's there's plenty of videos on YouTube as well, but uh, the the Reno Air Races are the ones that are coming up in September. And that Air Race would be uh, airrace.org would be their website and you could learn how to get tickets. You can read, uh, read up on the six, the seven now classes that we have, and you could look at some photos and et cetera. You can also go to YouTube and look for international formula one or IF one. And that one you could see, you could Google me. There's a couple of videos of me and my biplane racing. And there's also, um, Let's see, I used to have a a blog called The Pylon Place. I wrote for a magazine called In-Flight USA, and I put all my columns on on The Pylon Place. So if you Google Pylon Place, you could find it as well. Okay, so there's- old columns. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there. One of the new classes is called the Stole Drags, and it's the big tire boys. And what they do is they take off, and then they they, uh, don't get very high on the ground, and then they land, stop, turn around and come back and do the same thing. And it's just mesmerizing. You can't keep your eyes off of it. And it's so interesting and it involves the crowd and it's so much fun. And that's the newest um, group that we have at the, at the Reno air races. And they've been accredited by the FAA. Like I'm working with the FAA on getting international formula one accredited as well. So we could start putting on races again. And it's just so much fun to see these people evolve aviation. One of the reasons I love air racing and racing in all ways is how we expand technology through racing, how racing has built on things, how it, the cars get safer, they get faster, they get safer, they get faster, they get lighter, they get safer, they get faster. And all because of racing and trial and error. And let's see how this works. Looking looking at Formula One with the way that they do the, the kinetic energy and having that run back into the engine. That's awesome. And how much, you know, they don't have to refuel anymore because they're so much lighter and all these. So let's start learning from racing and aviation too. And let's make aviation safer and faster and better for everyone. Yeah, that's that's really awesome. You know, um, I'm definitely going to Google that because my husband was also interested in, you know, like going somewhere to watch. So 
that that's just so cool. And, you know, you don't hear a lot about it. So um, how can we or I as IWMA or, you know, how can I help get the word out about your races and where they are and and everything? Um, I know, you know, where I'm interviewing you, but, um, you know, is do you have a Facebook page, yes. Instagram? Tell us about that. That we, on Facebook, we are International Formula One. Uh, I think it's a fan. There's a fan page that's called Fan Page. Then there's the Reno Air Races. Um, and there's a group called the Reno Air Race Fan Group because um, we can't be the Air, Reno Air Races group because they have that. Um, and then I don't know if there's, we have Twitter or anything, but there's a lot on YouTube. So okay. uh, what I'll do is before, um, after we finish up today, I'll send you a bunch of links. And okay. you could put them on your website too. That, and then that I could give awesome. you some dates, but I would love yeah. for you guys to come out and, and join us in the pits. Cause one of the best things about uh, racing, I think is that you have access to, I, like I've gone to the, um, the uh, NHRA events. I've been to NASCAR. I've been in the pits. I've been in the pits during the racing, et cetera. I've been at Indy. I've been in the pits in Indy. So all these wonderful things, but you get so close to the, mm-hmm. you don't get to go on the field in baseball. You don't get no. to get on the court in, in basketball, no. but I can stand right next to John Force while he's looking at his, his car uh-huh. and, and chit chat with him. Right. I mean, Ron Caps. I have a bunch of uh, hats from him. I've got, yeah. I've met Denny Hamlin. I've met, uh, you know, all these people who you get to stand next to and chat with. Right. They're not, you know, they're not stars that are, you know, hundred feet away. They're standing right next to you. Well, they're so, very, very accessible. Racing exactly. is a very accessible sport. And uh, I just had this conversation in a podcast I did a few days ago about how many sports do you get to talk to the quarterback or the center or the pitcher or the coach or the coach when NASCAR, you know, they're taking their last lap before the race starts and they're talking to the to the guy on the pole. I know. And Isn't that great? We have a sport that is so people friendly and, and, and it just gets better, you know, and, and these tracks are putting in fan experiences. They're, they're setting up events for that. In fact, you know, that's one of the things I work, I'm working on last year, we were supposed to have um, quite a number of events at NASCAR tracks and other tracks, but of course, good old COVID shut us down. So now we have to start all over with the planning and the, and the everything, but It'll happen. And, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, one of my goals is to let women know that racing is for women too. And, and it's not just something your husband can enjoy. And we want to get women to the tracks or to the airport, because once we do, we know that they're going to be hooked, aren't they? Absolutely. In fact, I talked to young, uh, young girls and uh, Girl Scout organizations or, or high schools and, and younger. And one of the things that I bring up to them is, you know, when I, uh, I was 37 years old when I got my pilot's license and, and when I bought my first airplane. And that was the first time I learned righty, tighty, lefty, loosey. I mean, no one ever told me this before. Right. And it was like, oh, you know, all of a sudden the, the sky opened up and now I understood things better. Mm-hmm. So I learned how to change the oil in my plane and change my spark plugs and um, pack my bearings. It was disgusting, but I did it because I thought it would make me more knowledgeable about my racer. And I think that's one of the the steps that women need to take. You know, they're all, I have a 
a, a meme that I saw that it's like a girl's magazine versus a boy's like boy's life versus girl's life. And it was like dolls and makeup and blah, blah, blah. And boys were mechanical this and yeah. make your own computer. And we need to mesh, like right. we need to do a little make, a, make your own computer and learn mechanical things for women too. Yes. So I just, I wish that, you know, maybe shop classes came back and girls weren't afraid or turned off by it mm. because it's valuable no matter oh. what. Knowing how to change your tire could save your life. It's not a bad thing. No, so I, I just wish that it didn't have this dirty connotation. Like, oh, I'm going to get my hands dirty. Like yeah. I get my nails done. Your nails look beautiful. We could still have beautiful nails. Right. And still be able to maintain our engines, you know, and our, our mechanical things. You know, it's funny you said about shop, because when I was in high school, I graduated in 1974. I'm 65 years old. I'm not afraid to tell anybody. But we had I'm right behind you, girl. So, so we had a semester of welding, a semester mm-hmm. of like where we had wood and we had and we built birdhouses or whatever. And um, a, a semester of like mechanical, like changing your tire, mm-hmm. changing your oil. And those were really life lessons. I totally you know? agree. And I had really long hair at the time and I will never forget. And it's funny because my current husband, he's my second husband is a welder. But when I did the welding class, I had really long hair and my hair fell down and I could smell something burning and my hair was on, you know, was like melting. And so I had to have my hair cut. I'll never forget it. It's like, it was yesterday. I was a freshman in high school, but, but, you know, we don't offer that for our girls or encourage them as much where, you know, I love seeing girls uh, interviewed on TV or whatever that say, I want to be a scientist. I want to, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a whatever that Mm -hmm. are are things that are typically men jobs Mm -hmm. in the past, in the seventies, it would have been a guy job. A woman wouldn't have ever thought about doing some of these things. And now you go to the racetrack and there are women driving, there's women tire changers, there's women doing every kind of job. Right. And, and that's why I love these podcasts, because women are doing things that are out of the norm. And it's encouraging to, especially younger women who yeah. are still not sure what they want to do. And they, they see Marilyn Dash is racing an airplane. Oh my gosh. I want to still have big hair and I still have pretty nails, you know, you could go do, you could do anything. You can do anything. So tell us about your airplane. So what I was going to tell you a quick story is that um, this organization would bring in the national air racing organization would bring in these young kids, um, elementary and middle school kids. And the teachers would come up with a questionnaire and they would have to go up to everyone um, and ask them questions to get them to talk to the pilots and the crews and ask them questions about the planes. And um, whoever asked, answered all, of all the girls that were there, whoever answered the most questions, I would give them an aviator Barbie. So it was either a, a um, Air Force Barbie or a barnstorming Barbie, but it was an aviation, an astronaut Barbie, uh-huh. Thunderbird Barbie. So some kind of a Barbie doll that was aviation themed. And I, someone who was, um, uh, over in Germany and they found him in the PX there and he used to ship them back, back for me. Cause they were hard to find here in yeah. the States. 
but I had a whole box of them and I gave them out to little girls all the time. And I'm like, you know, tell me that you want to be a pilot. Tell me you want to be an engineer. Tell me you want to be a race car driver and you get a free doll, you know? Yeah. I wanted them to know that you don't have to just be, you know, pretty Barbie. You could be pretty Barbie and have a function too. So, well, and you know, back when I was a little girl and I had the original Barbie, which I don't, I wish I still had, but but, you know, there weren't all those occupation Barbies right. like have been in the last, like my daughters are in their thirties, you know, and, and uh, even my oldest daughter who's in her forties, they had those like, you know, nurse Barbie and Dr. Barbie, and they started teaching all those. Yeah. You know, but I've never seen any of the aviation ones. I'd, oh, those would be awesome. I'm going to have to Google and see if I can find yeah, them. Yeah. They're really cool. You'll probably find some on eBay once in a while. Yeah. But, um, so my, my race plane was a, uh, Pitts special P I T T S Pitts special S one S and it was, uh, it, it's biplane single seat, 360 horsepower, um, little red darling. I'll send you a picture of it. And, uh, like I said, she started going from, you know, 146 miles an hour to 190, let's say 193, I think was the, my top speed. And I, started out my first time I had my first year, I had a young kid from the airport kind of helping me out. By the time I left, you know, at racing, um, I had a wonderful crew that worked so hard for me year round. There's they're dedicated, they're friends forever. You know, I know their wives and families and everything now, but they, we all kind of grew together and, uh, and learned together how to make my airplane faster and things. And it was just an incredible, they've just been awesome to me over the years and, and vice versa. I've done some great things for them as well. So I mentioned to you prior to us getting on the call that I met Jack Roush through air racing. He's uh, you know, he has a, a P 51 Mustang. So he was making parts for the Mustangs there and he would come to the Reno air races. And I got to know him quite well. And he would uh, invite us to come to some of the races. And I invited my crew to come to the races with me and sit in the pits. And they're like, we love you for the access. I mean, what is a lot, how would they have ever gotten in the pits of a NASCAR right. race in Phoenix or at Sears point or something like that. So yeah, we do what we do. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And you know, my husband and I tend to love sitting in the pits in the infield to watch the races and Daytona. We have sat in the grandstand, but we won't probably ever sit in the grandstand again because after sitting in the infield, Mm-hmm. You've got a huge screen and yet you can look either direction and see the race cars. You can smell everything. You can hear everything, but you have a huge screen. You have all the replays and all that. Yeah. And then you have the fun of all the people in the infield. Yep. And yep. so we had, yeah, um, I, I absolutely love the infield for, well, I liked, I liked Sears point because we had the, it was the road course. So it was so different. And then uh, we went to Phoenix one year and it's the shortest course I've ever seen. It's probably not the shortest in NASCAR, of course, but it was like, there he is, there he is, there he is. But it was so short that we were like, wow, this is such a tiny course. So we enjoyed that one. And I met some other women there that go to air races all over the country together. And one lives in upstate New York. The other one lives in Arizona and they just meet and go to these races together. And they're so much fun. So I've had such a great time getting to know people at the races and just, you just talk to everyone because you have something so in common. Right. And the, and the air racing for me, I have like a whole new, we call ourselves the September family. I have a whole new group of people that I never would have met before. Right. Um, Without air racing, I never would have met Jack. Without air racing, I would have not met 
a thousand of my friends, you know, that are, I'm so close with now. It's really changed my life in a lot of ways. Yeah. Oh, it, it absolutely does. I, I can't even begin to list and you included the number of women that I have met that have amazing stories. And I, and you, you wouldn't think that just doing a podcast makes you friends, but it really does. It does. You know, and then you're like, Oh, (laughs) Hey, Melinda, I'm going to be at the race in Phoenix. I'm all, I'm pretty much always at the race in Phoenix because we're there in the winter Mm -hmm. and my daughters live there. And so it's always a good excuse to go to Phoenix and Phoenix has done amazing things with their infield. I don't know how long ago you were there, but I absolutely love going to Phoenix. It's one of my favorite tracks. I, and you know, there's a lot of tracks I haven't been to yet, but they're on my bucket list. I have to say the worst part about Phoenix track was the parking. Yeah. That's the worst part about a lot of these tracks. Indy is is terrible with parking too. It is, but I think it's a lot better. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't, because of my back and everything, I Mm -hmm. don't like to walk really, really far and I have arthritis in my knee, you know, I'm getting old and, but um, it's not as bad as it used to be. And they've just done so many good things, you know, now this year, not so much. They used to have what they call the joy ride, the little golf carts, and they'd pick you up and take you and course in 2020 there was none of that because of our germs but it'll be back and um and we'll we'll be able to to park wherever and go wherever we want to go and and i absolutely love 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 the people that i've met through agreed through racing and through the iwma so so i'm going to ask you a nosy question you don't have to give me the exact dollar but what does an airplane like yours cost Ah, very interesting question. So the one I raised, uh, I bought for 35,000 and, and probably put in probably about between five and 10,000 in increments every couple of years. Yeah. The, uh, formula one, the international formula one that I am working with now, you could probably get one for about 25 and then, you know, an engine would be another, you know, 10, 15, uh, 20,000. Um, my engine would be about 35 for a new one. Um, and then you go all the way up to the top, the unlimited are your World War II modifieds and they're Strega, Voodoo, Rare Bear. These are some of the big names in the unlimited air racing. And they're over, they're several million dollars, you oh, know, yeah. and their engines are like $750,000 for a stalker, not including all the bells and whistles that you need to make it a, a, a fast airplane so it you know that's why i'm in here an entry level and i think entry level is fun yeah that's where you get a lot of experience and have a a lot of fun good time there though when you start getting into that serious money it starts becoming harder serious (laughs) a lot harder (laughs) so and then we have a jet class now that's that's they're crazy fast and uh we have uh L39s and L29s, which are Czechoslovakian uh, trader jets. And then we have vampires, which are British jets. Um, so there's all sorts of funky jets that you've never seen before that you get to see at this, at these races. And wow. a lot of kid, like the, you know, we're trying to get kids involved too. Yeah. Cause even you've probably seen even in NASCAR that the, the numbers are going down because kids rather sit home and play drones yeah. than go outside and actually watch a race. Yeah. So you know, we're, we're finding the same thing. Hey, so adults, we're trying to get- adults are the same way. Adults would rather sit at home and watch it on TV. A lot of them too, you know, because 
And, and here's, I, here's my biggest complaint with going to the races. I don't mind paying for the ticket in to go or the weekend pass. I'm like, I said, I upgrade and go to the infield. I don't mind paying for any of that. I don't mind paying to drive or fly there, but when they jack the hotel prices up yeah, two, three, $400. So I, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to write NASCAR with a letter and say, you need to buy some hotel chains or you need a hotel chain that you don't need to gouge because I think that's part of why people don't go because it is pretty nasty way. It's so expensive to stay in a hotel. I agree. And then, you know, experiencing the, trying to get a rest, uh, go to a restaurant during a, a big NASCAR weekend or at the, in Indy or something like that. Right. I mean, it's just crazy trying to get in, into any restaurant at all. I know yeah. when NASCAR is in town and, and uh, Sonoma, we just all stayed home. Right. <laughs> you know, rather than try to even, you can't even go to Burger King on a weekend when yeah. NASCAR is in town. And no. it's just, there's just bring so many fans. It's yeah. just, we're not um, able to handle that, that influx. Well, and this weekend we're recording this on a Wednesday and this weekend is the Indy 500. And so, you know, I have cousins that live down there and in, I say Carmel and other people say other things and, you know, they live in, um, my other cousin lives in Greenwood. So it's all these little towns around and yeah, it's crazy there, but it helps their economy. It's yes. a big deal. And, you know, if you don't mind waiting in line to park and, and all that, I mean, it's an experience. It's something right. everybody should do at least once. Yeah. We went to the hundred year anniversary of, of Indian and we, we got the close up parking. We paid for extra parking and all that and all, yeah. but it was, it was a once in a lifetime experience. Right. And it was just so great. Yeah. So I'm going to, so I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I know what road courses look like. Of course we were ah just on a road course that was <laughs> nastily flooded with rain, big controversy all week on podcasts. That's all they've been talking about. And then there's circle tracks and there's drag strips. What does a course look like in an airplane race? <laughs> so most of uh, the courses look very similar to a NASCAR track and there will be eight or nine of us on a, on a track at the same time. So for the formula in the biplanes, we have the smallest track. It's about 3.2 miles and it uh, has six pylons, three on each side, and it's basically an oval. The difference is we all start on the ground and some crazy person throws a flag down and we all go for pylon one. And we have a giant, there's a, uh, our flag guy, because there's got to be a flag, right? There's got to be a green flag, a white flag, and a checker flag. And we have a giant human being who's the sweetest man in the world. His name is Dale and he's our flag guy. And his flags are about eight feet tall. She could see him from the sky. And he, we call in and get our, our qualifying times and we hear it on the radio, white flag, white flag. So, you know, you have one lap left. So it's all very similar to a NASCAR track, except there's eight of us on the track and we're in the air. Okay. And passing is on the outside only. You have to be, keep someone in, in sight. So we don't rub rubbins racing, except in air racing. Yeah. So, it wouldn't, be, wouldn't be good in an airplane to be. Right. And then for the other classes, for the larger classes, the T6, the sports, the unlimited and the jets, they have bigger, um, courses. They're not ovals. Exactly. They're kind of oblongish circular tracks. Okay. But it's basically the same thing. The pylons are 50 foot telephone poles with 55 gallon drums on top and they're painted different colors. So we know which pylons are ours and which pylons are theirs. 
Okay. It's, it's makes perfect sense to us. I mean, it makes perfect sense to me because I've actually seen a planes race. So I kind of, mm-hmm. but people who haven't seen it wouldn't have a clue. Yeah. They'd probably question like- my sanity too. Yeah. Right. Don't tell. Yeah. We have. I have a T-shirt that says, "Don't tell my mother I'm an air racer." She thinks I played a piano in a in a in a brothel. (laughs) I love it. I. But one of the things I love about uh, racing too is the T-shirts. You get the most amazing T-shirts. I I didn't want to tell my mother I was drag racing, so I told her I was in prison. I mean, things like that are just hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. With an with enough horsepower, anything will fly, and oh, the pig will fly just fine, or something like that. Yeah. Just the the t shirts I've seen in in uh, especially NHRA, they usually have the funniest t shirts there. They do. They have. I mean, just you can so enjoyable. You can find amazing shirts pretty much in any kind of racing, but yeah, I I we have them too. There. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So I have one that says. uh, my super, uh, I fly. What's your superpower? So, oh yeah, I like that one. Yeah. yeah. So, what's um, how how many women are are you kind of? I'm obviously probably the minority. So I actually do a presentation. Race? Yeah, not that many, but I was number seventeen that um that raced at the Reno Air Races, and I think we're up to twenty seven now oh, that have raced good. since nineteen sixty four. The, the Reno Air Race has been going on since 1964. The first woman who ever raced was a woman named Connie Marsh. Connie was about 92 pounds, five foot tall, tiny itty bitty thing. When she showed up to race, they weighed her and said she had to add ballast to her plane because she was so tiny. Oh, really? Yep. Wow. And some of the other guys were not as beefy either, but they got away with it because they put um, coins in their pockets and things and weighed themselves down when they got weighed. So, uh-huh. uh, but yeah, so she was the first person, first woman who ever crossed that line and, and actually became an air racer. But I, I do a whole presentation on it about who the women were, where they came from and where they went after. It's just, it's fascinating. Um, there's a woman named Bonnie Warner. She was a uh, bobsled racer. Okay. Do you remember her, her that name? Many years ago, she was in the Olympics. She took her winnings from the Olympics and became a pilot. And then she ended up flying, I believe, for United Airlines. But she also became an air racer. Really? Because that competitive spirit is perfect for this. It is. But now we probably have more women now racing in the, in the um, air races than ever before. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's so nice to see that I'm not the only one out right. there by myself. And, you know, my first year, they they bought a crate of um, a carton of um, hairspray and put it underneath my plane. And, you know, they would tease me all the time. And I'm like, you know, your guys got to try harder than this. I'm from New yeah. York, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't fluster me, <laughs> so, but they tried, they tried. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're not 16 anymore, but you've had a lot of impact. I, I would assume in not only racing, but in, air racing, airplane racing. What, what do you think has been your, your biggest impact? Or if not yet, what, what do you want your legacy to be when you're all done and you're sitting in your rocking chair? I think the women who don't make it are the ones that walk around going, but I'm a woman. You know, I'm special. I'm a woman. And I walked around and said, don't treat me any different than you do him. Good treat me exa- don't treat me better, but don't treat me worse. Just treat me the same and we'll get along fine. And I think if we all did that, yeah, 
it, we'd all get along much better. I don't think anyone ever said to me that I traded on being, a, you know, I call it a chick. I, I, cause my, my, I used to have chicks fly too on my um, license plate it, when I was in California. So, but I'm like, you know, don't treat me like a chick, just treat me like a racer, just treat yeah. me like a pilot. I, and, you know, I hear that honestly quite a bit, probably mm-hmm. more than in, anything. I hear that from girls that say, once I put the helmet on, I get in the car, I'm just a race car driver. Right. And that's the way it should be. And, you know, I mentioned to you, my granddaughter's race and the one, my one, my youngest granddaughter just turned 16, but she's been racing on and off for a while. And, um, the hardest thing for, it's not hard for her. She gets out there and just says, get out of my way. Here I come. But the guys, there's some men that have a really hard time getting beat by a now 16 year old girl. And, and they that's their problem. That the hurts. And they want to run her into the concrete wall. And, and I just, you know, and they're old enough to be her grandpa, some of them. And you just want to say, you know, encourage the kids. Yeah. I don't care if they're male or female. But don't be running them into the wall because she's a girl. Doesn't make don't sense. let us get beat by a girl. But- One of the things that I find so interesting is I get along so well with my competitors' wives and families uh-huh. and moms, you know. And I've kind of coveted those relationships too because, you know, I don't want to just hang out with the guys all the time. No. So one of my crew dudes, um, his wife and I are very, very close. And I, I see her and I see him separately. And then we see, you know, and then we do coupley things together with my husband and her husband, but it's just so much fun to have, um, you know, I spend all weekend at an airport or all week. I spend weeks and weeks at airports during a year. And it's so nice to be able to go and do girl things with them. Yeah. Let's go have a glass of wine. Right. (laughs) Exactly. The guys are going for beers and, and wings, but let's go have a glass of wine somewhere. So yeah, I, I it's, love it's that. Nice. You know, and that's just, it's, it's the best of both worlds. Yes. You know, you get to race and do the things that you want to do and you still get to be, you know, have a glass of wine and get your nails done. Right. right. But I also don't want them to feel threatened by me having a weird relationship with their husband. So for example, this woman's husband is my mechanic and he is, super dedicated to me, super dedicated to my airplanes. He is just one of the most amazing human beings in the world. I spend weeks with this man in a year. I don't want her to think, you know, uh, why is she spending so much time with my husband? Yeah. So I make her feel comfortable. Like, hi, I'm not a threat. Yeah. Let's all go do stuff. So, and that's, uh, I think that's a great, yeah, that's a great attitude to have. Not only you, you know, realizing that some women might feel that way, but, but now you've just got that many more friends. Exactly. And when they you, multiply, yeah, they do. They just multiply and it's, it's, it's amazing. So man, I've really enjoyed talking to you. Me so too. What, what have I not asked you about or not? Mm. We haven't talked about that we should have, you know, or what, what would you like to share that I haven't asked you about? I think that, you know, you mentioned that you're getting a little bit older too, and I'm, I'm hitting that as well. And um, I've been able to use the skills that I have and my promotional skills, my writing skills, my, uh, my uh, management skills, my executive level type skills that I got through years in management consulting. And that's why I'm trying to give back to the sport that gave me so much. And that's why I'm doing all of this, working with um, at the board level and working with, um, 
co coordinating these other races. So funny, I'll tell you one more quick funny story. We actually did a race in November of 2018 in Wuhan, China. Really? We had a huge air show and an air race there. And they had just opened up the Wuhan airport. And I could tell you stories for a week about this, this experience. We were there for two weeks. And uh, the on one side of the river was this aviation, this municipal kind of aviation center. And then the other side was a military base. And they said, okay, so when you're flying on the back side of the course, just stay on this side of the river. We're like, okay, so what happens if they stray on the other side? And they'll, they'll shoot you down. Okay, so everybody got that? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. here's a briefing. And you're like, okay. And you think to yourself, they probably would shoot me down. So, but it was uh, the worst weather I've ever had at any aviation event in my life. We were grounded for most of it because the weather was so poor, but there were people from all over the world. And I, because I used to be involved in the aerobatic community and the world aerobatic community. So I knew the teams from Australia and the people from Canada and the people from the, uh, from Italy and all these, these other teams that were there. So we had the best time. They, they thought we were crazy. We thought they were crazy. And we all stayed at the same hotel. No one spoke English. It was great. So we all had each other and it was pouring rain every day. Well, at least, now you, at least now you, you know that. someone who's been to Wuhan, China. Well, I'm glad that COVID wasn't going on then because it was one year before. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that kind of like you look back and you just think deja vu or something. It's funny that you were there. Funny. Not I funny. know. Yeah. As soon as they started saying it, I'm like, whoever heard the word Wuhan before? Nobody. But, but now but everybody all of knows. us have been there. And I have um, a lot of my uh, racing gear has Wuhan China on the back. Yeah. I don't wear it right now. No, I wouldn't we'll wear, wear it some, some other time, but yeah. 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 That sounds like something that you want to keep for later as memorabilia. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But we had, we had a lot of fun. We travel great together. We're like one big, ugly family. Yeah. So, so does your a lot husband of good people. go along? Um, he has not, he, um, he's a skier, a mountain biker, Okay. He does his own, he's got like his own crazy things. We share the dog. So okay. I'm a lad's keeper some days and he gets her the other day, but he has his own sports. He comes to the Reno areas with me. He went to um, an Ely event that we had in, in um, Eastern Nevada. Um, he's gone to a couple uh, NASCAR races. So he'll go to some things, but if on, on the weekend, do you think he would rather sit in a lawn chair, watch me do something or go climb a mountain? Oh, absolutely. Go do, so. go do his own thing. And, that, and we're, we're so good about that. Like yeah, you, my you, husband you, has I'll... a dirt bike. And so I'm not interested in that. He goes, when we're in Arizona, he goes rides the dirt bike and I go see my grandbabies. So and Joe so... just got an e-bike. It's a electric dirt bike called a Suron that uh -huh. he is just loving. And he goes out on the dirt tracks out here. We have a lot of BLM land out here and he'll take the dog out for a run and on his little, and he just loves it. So this yeah. is his first motorized bike experience. Usually he's a mountain biker. Okay. So but he's getting older too. Well, we all, you know, you just have to change a little bit. How you Modify, just modify. modify. Yes. Yeah. You know, Ma Marilyn, I really, really. We could go on forever, couldn't we? We, we could probably <laughs> talk, you know, I think we'd become fast friends. Uh, Absolutely. Through this podcast, but um, any last words or anything else that you would like to share before we just to kind of round up, I think encouraging young girls, encouraging them to learn mechanics 
and things. I would love to learn how to weld. I think it's, it's, I think it's artwork. Um, I just think it's amazing. I think that we should get girls more involved in it, get women more involved in it, get rid of the stigma that's attached to it and Mm. let it be fun. You know, let them have some fun with it. And some of them will, will love it and some of them won't, but who cares? The ones that do bring them along. Right. I, I totally agree with you. And I, I love seeing girls at the track, you know, like my friend Liz is a tire specialist for NASCAR and she's a tiny thing and she throws those tires around like nothing. And, um, you know, just, just to see those young gals who have such a passion yes. for something that you just, you know, years and years, when I was in high school, you would have never thought about being involved in racing in any capacity. And yep. now it's more common all the time. And I love seeing that. So I do too. Yeah, I do. Uh, this weekend, I do a indie trivia thing. And I love doing the one about who's the first woman, how many women have, but, and just try to get a little bit of that in there. And I'm not yeah. like some crazy woman who just pushes women all the time. I just love the sport, but I think it's interesting that we should honor and support the women who have come before us and the ones that are coming behind us too. Yeah, I agree. I'm not a woman's liver at all, but I do. I always felt like the women didn't really get the recognition in some ways that they deserved. And also I, you know, they were treated differently or, you know, like, oh, well, you're into racing because guys look cute in their race suits and that, you know, no, I, you know, they're there for a reason. And it's not because guys look cute in their race suits. And so I just wanted a chance to celebrate women who don't, they're not famous. They're not Danica Patrick. They're never going to be that, but they have such great stories, just like yours. Great yeah. stories, great encouragement for other people. And that's why, that's why I do this. And I absolutely, I love it. Absolutely love it. So that's great. I will see you. I'll send you a couple of things that you can okay. add to your and uh, keep in touch. Let's do I this will. again sometime. Thank you. Okay. Take care.